We're back, and we're back with a real screamer. This week's podcast was headed straight for the top corner until it was clawed away by Ben Foster with an outrageous save. Welcome to episode 14 of Sigma Sports Presents, Matt Stevens Unplugged. And Ben Foster, the cycling goalkeeper himself, goalkeeper? <laughs> ben Foster, the cycling goalkeeper himself, is my guest. When he's not being a top stopper for Watford in the championship, he's winning his rift races and going on choppy bike rides with his mates. Stay tuned to find out how he manages to juggle his pro football career with his true passion of cycling. And I'm not even joking. He is absolutely living the dream. And I had a real blast chatting with him until he gave me the hairdryer treatment. That's the football puns out of the way. Let's get on with the pod. Hello and welcome. Are you ready? Because it's that time again. Matt Stevenson plugged by Sinus Ben Foster is one of the best goalkeepers of the modern era. Even my mum knows him. Now enjoying his second stint as Watford FC's number one, he's had success up and down the country and represented England between the sticks along the way too. He's won League Cups with Manchester United and Birmingham City, picking up the Alan Hardacre trophy for man of the match on both occasions. But perhaps the most intriguing thing about Ben is, despite his huge successes and continuing professional footballing career, he has an undeniable passion for cycling. He joined me for a chat about mixing Zwift racing with football training, earning your snacks, and how cycling always puts a smile on his face. Ben, we've uh, we had a few technical difficulties, but we're now up and running. Um, ben, welcome to Matt Stevens Unplugged, and thanks very much for coming on. Oh, no, thanks for having me on, mate. You are an absolute legend, honestly. Um, <laughs> back in the day, I, I, I obviously, sort of, when I was younger, I, I never really watched too much cycling, so I didn't really know you as a cyclist. Um, right. But as a GCN presenter back in the day, what a legend, like absolute top bloke. So this is this is my honour and pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. No, that's that's really nice, mate. That's um, it. Funny, I mean, we'll we'll talk about some. We'll just see where the conversation goes, mate. That, mate, but but I do have a few things just to kind of kind of pre warn you about. Um, first up is. Have you got access to a hairdryer at some point? Um, can you maybe? I have, yeah. It's in my daughter's room. I, she, she's taken control of it, but we've definitely got one. That's great. Uh, at some point, if you can maybe pop off and get that, but don't worry about it just now. And then secondly, oh, have in the back of your mind uh, snack knowledge because we are going to play a game called, uh, which I've done in every podcast, called Guess That Snack. Where basically I've got I choose heavy a snack. snack knowledge, heavy I've, snack knowledge. I've, mate, I've, I've seen I've seen your drawers full of snacks. I've seen the, the Watford FC <laughs> bus full of snacks, laden with yeah. snacks, mate. <laughs> I'm that guy who goes and buys all the snacks. I'm the guy on the Friday afternoon when um, when we've all had our showers and we've got about an hour till we leave on the coach. I go to Sainsbury's and I have to spend 30, 40 quid for all the lads. Um, I think that's what you. As you get older, you you kind of adopt that kind of um, responsibility. So yeah, I've got good snack knowledge. Good stuff, mate. Good. Actually, thinking about buying snacks, that's what I sort of, when I managed the Sigma Sports team a few years ago, we had a UCI team, one of my favourite jobs would be going to the supermarket and buying all the race food because I was the old elder statesman. And I would, yeah. I, I saw that as like, you know, it's part of the hierarchy. Of, it's basically, you know, the people would trust you to go and buy the right snacks. I mean, I wouldn't even ask anybody what they want, so just go and buy them. Um, and it that's, means that's a lot, powerful, though, doesn't it? Is it? <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on it as well, you know. When when <laughs> if it was, so, so we don't really touch them until so once I've got them, I put them on the coach above where we sit, and then we don't touch them really until after the game because obviously you have all your pre-match food all that kind of stuff and it has to be kind of scientifically right nowadays all that kind of stuff doesn't it but um as soon as the game's finished the lads are just craving sugar they're craving sweets chocolate crisps everything um coke diet coke everything so i have to make sure i've got good stuff but to be fair it's i always get the good stuff the premium stuff so the lads are always happy Good stuff, mate. See, none of this happy shopper nonsense. It's all top top end, all top end stuff. It is top end, yeah. We're talking Cadbury's <laughs> and Walkers oh. and all, <laughs> proper chips, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, first off, Ben, again, um, it's really lovely to have a chat with you. I've been watching, um, I think I pretty much watched all of your videos, by the way, um, the cycling goalkeeper stuff. But what I'd like to do is just rewind a little bit because I'm really, really intrigued just to find out, I know you probably have told people this before, but just for our listeners and for people who don't know how you got into cycling, um, could you just tell us like how you ended yeah, sure. up being so so keen uh, on on bike riding? Yeah, so um, well, I, I've always had dodgy knees. I have honestly, my knees are just made of chocolate. I'm sure of it. I've, I've had three uh, ACL reconstructions, so it's sort of three proper big injuries. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm a big guy anyway. I'm 92, 93 kilo. So right. for me, running is not an option. Um, like I say, I'm a big guy. I, I I do enjoy my food. I like my food. I like my drinks. I like to have a beer now and then. I like to you know go out and have a good time. Um, so there's always a danger of not sort of earning it. Do you know what I mean? There's always a danger of not being being able to sort of have that beer or that burger or whatever sort of thing. So thankfully for me, I found cycling earlier on in my career. It was probably, we're probably talking 10 years ago now. Um, I, I, I found that I could sit on the bike happily for an hour, an hour and a half, earn a thousand calories. And then I would, I, you know, I could have what I want. But then it kind of grew from there, really. I just actually really enjoyed being on the bike um and then I, I sort of eventually it turned into me going out and getting my own road bike that kind of stuff and it just took over from yeah. there really probably about six seven years ago now it took over and um don't get me wrong I love my football absolutely love my football but cycling is it's just oh it's absolutely brilliant I love being out there I love getting out in the fresh air like I, I always say in my videos when I whenever I get back from a, a, a bike ride I've always got a smile on my face. You know what I mean? I know that I've earned the day. I know that I've kind of gone through everything out on the bike while I'm out there. I'm thinking about stuff. But then when I get back, it's all been put to rights again and and I'm good to go for the rest of the day. That's cool. I mean, one thing that I did uh, not just get a sense of and clearly just looking in the comments of your videos, mate, is that you have clearly an um, an um, you know this real unbounded kind of enthusiasm just for life. But when you get on a bike, you're like a kid in, in a toy shop, aren't you? You, uh, you can just tell. You, you just being yourself and you absolutely love it and that's really really lovely to see it's it's just it's not even that it's everything about biking i like the gear um the bikes the technology um the beauty of it all i i just think it's so there's always something to look at there's always something to sort of read up on um but yeah as well it's just, just keeping fit as well i'm so i'm so competitive in myself obviously i'm a sports person so i'm i'm probably naturally competitive um but on the scale yeah. of competitiveness i'm he- very high like I, I had two older brothers and an older sister when i was um growing up and they used to just 
beat the crap out of me at times but because I was so competitive I'd always push it and I'd push them and I'd be beating them at stuff and, and they didn't like it but it was just one of those things that was within me um yeah. so yeah now like obviously with with the advent of Zwift and things like that and um it's just like a godsend for me honestly because there's always something going on especially like say on Zwift there's always a race there's always um something to get involved with or make sure that your your fitness is up to up to shape and up to scratch I mean, yeah, because talking about your competitiveness, and I've obviously seen you you ride on Zwift quite a lot. You've actually won some races on Zwift as well, haven't you? Which is, I mean, I know again, anybody who wants to kind of follow you on uh, on Zwift as well, do so because we can obviously mine your data, which is always pretty interesting. But you you put out a lot of power, mate. You are flipping strong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's, I have to really though, because like I say, I'm ninety three kilos. Zwift. Zwift punishes us big boys, honestly. They're so, they're so out of order. Like I feel like I'm always fighting an uphill battle all the time. Um, so yeah, I kind of I have to put out the the power and I have to put out the watts. Um, I did, actually did a race this morning. It was the one of the longest races I've ever done on Zwift. It was a forty kilometer one, so it took me. Oh wow! What, like I think it was fifty seven minutes in total. And I actually won it this morning. It was before Flip training. Um, so this, this <laughs> I've done this this fifty seven minute long race before. <laughs> training and i was gone honestly like i went so deep to to win it at the end i had to sprint i had to hold like i think honestly I, i've looked at the date and i held held just under 800 watts for about 35 36 seconds at the eight, end of the race um just to, to win the race but i couldn't help it i was invested in it and that's it i wanted to do it so anyway i, I remember i like i finished the, the race whatever and i was in bits so i went out for training this morning and I, luckily we did next to nothing because we've had so many games lately we're literally playing saturday wednesday at the minute so it's game recovery game recovery um so thankfully we didn't do a lot in training today because i emptied myself on the bike but i do i absolutely love it it's wicked i mean that's i mean for me i mean i I was i i wanted to be a professional footballer one of the first things i wanted as a kid was to be a professional footballer and i remember lying in bed i was a big liverpool supporter but i did live just at, just near Watford. So I used to go and see Watford play quite a lot as a kid, actually, oh, growing nice. up. Back in the John Barnes era, um, yeah, yeah. El- Elton John as as, um, as as chairman, those sorts of days. And, and you could hear from where, because I lived in Bushy, just up the road. Um, and sometimes on a really still day, you could hear, I'd, I'd watch the live game sometimes, and you could hear the roar on um, on the telly first, and then the, and then the roar of the Vicarage Road crowd about, Five, yeah. five or six seconds later, really weird, mate. But no, I, I've got a bit of an affinity, affinity with with Watford Football Club. It's kind, it's kind of strange, isn't it? How um, how kind of life kind of um, I don't know links up sometimes. And 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 also, yeah. um, I don't know if you remember, but back in two thousand three, two thousand and four, when you were playing for Stoke, do you, do you remember play, playing a, a crew game? Yes, definitely. Because I was in the cops then, and I and I used to police all the Stoke matches because they obviously bring, used to bring a bit of a tidy crowd across. So uh, yeah, you were you, a policeman, weren't you? Yeah. So I basically, I mean, all any of the matches where there was like a local, you know, it was a local derby, basically. Yeah, and and there's always a little bit of um, well, just we say neatly, it was always an interesting, it was all always a bit interesting, yeah. wasn't it? But I I sat on the on the sidelines, but I wasn't allowed to watch the match. I had to face inwards and just look at the crowd. 
<laughs> I know you see we but like obviously we haven't seen them for a while because we've had the lockdown and um you know the fans aren't allowed back in um but yeah I I always used to think that that's a, such a weird position to be in because guaranteed all these stewards and policemen and stuff they want to turn around they want to see what's going on in the right. game and guaranteed they do at some point have a little look and whatever but most of the time you're just looking to make sure no trouble kicks off in the stand anywhere exactly um, yeah, yeah but yeah. in those local derbies you get so many the, the worst one was Stokeport Vale because that was problem that was that was yeah. proper kicking off um and even Watford Luton can get a bit naughty at times of course um, the Hatters yeah but yeah it's um it's always interesting when it's a local derby they are the good games though to be fair the atmosphere is always electric when it comes to a local derby no I, I did used to like them actually but and and the the cool thing about half time or actually after the match any unsold pies we used to get them sent down the police station. <laughs> it was really nice. We used to have loads of old steak pies. They know pucker pies. Yeah, pucker pies. Uh, well, aren't I mean, they Wright's pies up in Stoke? I think that's their locals up there, isn't it? I don't uh, know. My I wife's mean, from Stoke. My uh, wife's from Stoke, so I know that anyway, obviously, but from when I was playing there. But yeah, I did. I mean, yeah, I just, the whole, yeah, I, I, I don't know how we just got onto this, this pie situation, but yeah, I, I wanted to be a footballer. And basically, I used to lie in bed when I was about 11 or 12. My team that I supported, although I lived near Watford, they were my second best team. I used to support Liverpool. Um, and I thought in my little childish brain that by process of just how many people lived in, in England, and I used to think that there was only probably, like of all the leagues, like back in the day, it was Division 1 through to Division 4, and about, I don't know, 20 teams in each league, which represented pretty much the UK. And I thought, well, there's probably only like maybe... 200, 300 people live in each town. So just by me being a bloke and being reasonably good at school football, I'm going to be a pro footballer. It's really, and I was like, yeah, that's it. That's my career. And then I just wasn't very good at football. Oh, (laughs) mate. Sorry. Sorry. So at what point did you want to, did did you want to be a, a, you know, a professional footballer? To be honest with you, I never, I never really thought it was an option. To be honest with you, I was always, I was always fairly realistic, and I, I kind of, I, I, I did a weird way when I grew up as well. I left school at sixteen. I, I worked as a chef for two years. Um, yeah. I went sort of college course, all that kind of stuff. So it was never really kind of growing up dreaming of being a footballer. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't until I, I really got to about seventeen and a half, eighteen, that the body kind of. I was always tall, but. The muscles and all that didn't really connect properly, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and 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 yeah, like like I say, between seventeen and eighteen, it just sort of everything just seemed to click together. And I was playing for a, a semi-professional team then. It, no, nothing major, honestly. It was nowhere near being professional. Um, yeah. And a scout from Stoke City actually happened to stop in one night. He was on his way home from Stoke down to actually the Midlands where I live. He was on, on his way back home. And he saw some floodlights in the distance because he had to get off the motorway because it had been a crash. So he, he got yeah. off the motorway, saw some floodlights in the distance, stopped in at this this sort of small stadium to watch this game because obviously he's a scout. He just loves football. Um, and that's where it all started. He saw me. He then came back to watch a few more matches. I did okay. Um, and it just went from there. So it like honestly, like little things like that, it really is. like It could just be the difference between being in the right place at the right time. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure there's so many players that have gone under the radar yeah. just because they just wasn't in the right place at the right time. So you basically just enjoyed playing footy and you played for a reasonable kind of local team. And it was just almost by chance that you ended up following that path. Yeah, but I would, they were paying. Um, they pay, they paid us thirty pounds a game, which when I was sort of seventeen, eighteen, was incredible. You know what I mean? That first yeah. of all, the fact that someone's going to pay me to play football was just 
mind-boggling. Um, yeah. But then when you're 17, it all it does is basically pay for your beers and stuff when you go out <laughs> on Saturday night with your mates and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's it's incredible. Um, yeah. And back then, 30 quid went a long way. Do you know what I mean? We're talking 20-odd years ago. So that was like, whoa, incredible. I'll play every game under them in under going like, sign me up um so yeah it was it was a, it was a great way to start though i've got to say it was a really good way to start because i see a lot of a lot of young kids coming through nowadays especially through the academy system and um they do seem to be a little bit more molly molly cuddled and wrapped up in cotton wool and i think yeah. the the way i did it kind of earned it and and really kind of sort of worked for it a bit harder and got to see what life's about a little bit more do you know what i mean because being a chef's not an easy job it's it's very unsociable hours it's long long hours in a hot kitchen um and it's hard work so i, I you know I, I get to see it from from both points of view at least i mean just back to you talking about your just excuse me if i kind of flip back into it's just the way my mind works sometimes ben so do forgive me i'm getting old you know you said you've got dodgy knees and, and you're, you're a keeper and you, you cycle a lot um how do how do kind of Watford and how, how do the kind of teams view the fact that, you know, that you, how do you kind of balance the intensity? Cause you clearly ride quite a lot to a, a good level. You don't put out the kind of numbers you put out without being a, you know, regular bike rider and looking at you on a bike as well, looking at your videos, you look like you could be a bike rider. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, okay. I mean, but you, you seem so committed to that. I mean, do they really balance out quite nicely? Because it's quite an unusual alliance, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think I, I think if you're an outfield player, you'd struggle massively because yeah. um, the the hours that you do are just on the bike, especially the hours you do. They just it just zaps your leg. Do you know what I mean? It la- it sure. really does zap the kind of energy, the spring, everything from your legs. Um, but I know just through experience, really, and just through doing it, being a goalkeeper, that I know I can do a. A, a hard ride on a Friday, and and I'd still be fine for the game on a Saturday. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't. I don't think I've ever told anyone this one before. This is okay. exclusive just for your podcast. Here we go. Nice Here one, mate. I'm, so, I'm rubbing my hands. Here we go. <laughs> so a few years ago when I was at West Brom, um, yeah. we had uh, a Saturday. It was a, a Saturday or a Sunday game. I think it was a Sunday game, actually. It was on the telly against Man United. It was away at Old Trafford. Yeah. And... Um, we were kind of in a bad position in the league and whatever. But I, I, you know what I mean? I, I, football for me, as soon as the game kicks off, it's just adrenaline takes over. And I know that even if I'm stiff, tired, I've got an injury, anything, I, I just don't feel anything, honestly. It's just yeah. it's just like this new kind of feeling takes over and I'm good to go. I can always jump a bit higher and dive a bit further, kick it a bit further, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we weren't due in for training on the Saturday until the afternoon, about two or three o'clock. And then we were going to train and then travel up to Manchester straight from training. Um, okay. And a few of my mates, obviously, they do cycling, and they were like, "Oh, Ben, if you seen the weather for Saturday morning, it looks lovely. Do you fancy coming out?" I'm like, "Lads, I've got Man United on the Sunday. Do you know what I mean?" Like, and they were like, "It won't be nothing crazy. We'll just go, I don't know, sort of 30, 40 miles or something like that." And I was like, oh, gosh, "All right, we, we don't batter it. Okay, we'll just sort of take it steady, whatever." Yeah. Anyway, we ended up going out, and it was a bit of a session. To be fair, we hit it hard. I think we ended up doing about 100k. It was in the end. Bloody, that's um, long enough. Yeah, so, so it was decent. It was a good whack, to be fair. And there's a few few lads that ride with us at a decent level as well. Do you know what I mean? Like proper good level. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I've turned into training on the on the Saturday afternoon in bits. I was I was absolutely in bits again. <laughs> like couldn't move, but it was fine. I got through training, and I was like, as, as long as I have a good night's sleep, I'll be fine for the game. Um, but the game kicked off and. The, the warm-up, it was I was a bit stiff, I won't lie. I was a bit stiff, a bit sort of, oh, God, this is, you know what I mean? The, just even the tendons in my knees a little bit tight or whatever. But like yeah. I say, the game kicked off. 
I was good, at, honestly, absolutely good to go. The, the adrenaline kicked in, didn't feel anything, any stiffness, nothing whatsoever. Um, I actually played a really good game. We won the game 1-0 away at uh, Manchester United, which in itself wow. is a, an achievement. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's football is all in your head honestly it's just completely all in your head you can do whatever you want to get prepared for a game but whatever works for you to get your head right because i think that's the most important part will be the thing that makes the biggest impression on the game is it's yeah. all in your head i mean that's, that's really interesting because you look at the level you know the level you ride at and also you look at your record in the premiership and 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 you're what you're 30, 37 now ben aren't you you know mm-hmm. very very experienced indeed I mean, how does your this relationship with cycling work uh, at like team management level, like with coaches and stuff? And I, I mean, I understand how pro cycling teams tick, but I'll be honest with you. Although I'm a, a football fan, I don't really understand how the, the how the relationships are formed between like a manager and the coaches and players in a team. So how does your they obviously clearly know what you do because you stick it on the internet? <laughs> but how do, yeah. <laughs> do I guess because you're, you you you've you've done this for so long and you're still performing at the highest level they just let you get on with it or is there or do you discuss it is there any kind of or are you are you just free to do what you want to do how does it work no yeah yeah you're completely right they um they kind of just let me get on with it to be perfectly honest yeah um, yeah they know they know that I'm as long as I'm good to go on a Saturday afternoon. Then, then that's all they really care about. In all, in all honesty, um, I, I haven't missed, and actually, I haven't missed a game now for probably the best part of three and a half, nearly four years. Um, I've been fully fit. I've always played. So, I think with with, the, with your age, with your experience, you know, the clubs I've played for, they kind of they just give you that little bit more leeway, if that makes sense. They just kind of. Yeah. That they they know they can leave you to to sort of get on with it because they know that just me as a character they know that I'm fully professional they know that I won't do anything that's going to sort of jeopardize jeopardize me being ready on that Saturday afternoon so they're happy to just let me go really they're happy to let me have free reign of doing whatever cycling I want and even gym work do you know what I mean they don't really need to put any programs in place because I do them all myself anyway it's programs that I've done for the for the last sort of ten fifteen years of my career so yeah they, it literally is a case of that I think if you're a bit younger they would be very very wary of it and like I say if you're an outfield player they definitely wouldn't let you get away with it because it just it yeah. honestly would it would zap your legs too much yeah yeah and, and you say you've been riding now for about a decade when you cast your eyes back to when you're a young player and when you didn't ride your bike and then you look at what you're doing now do you think I mean although you're, you're slightly older and your body kind of you know works in kind of different ways and reacts in different ways how do you do you think cycling has actually helped you over the last kind of decade oh, but, or so yeah. in terms of your Without level of doubt. fitness and the, and the way you understand yourself. And also, you know, because psych, like I've played football and it, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's kind of, obviously you need good endurance, but there's obviously the skill level is very high, but cycling is just brutal, isn't it? And, and, and yeah. what, what have you kind of learned from cycling? I mean, it is, I mean, we love it because <laughs> very much like you, I, although I packed in racing a long time ago, one of the reasons I, I, I kind of still ride is I like that buzz that after training afterglow where I can sit down and have, have a glass of Bailey's have, have a have a pie have a pizza and uh, it, it's just that that after training feeling that you get you just can't it's just such a high isn't it it is the best high honestly like I've like I say I've, I've played football matches and massive football matches and won them and whatever played brilliant and man of the match and all that kind of stuff and after the game you're obviously you're buzzing you're happy you're on a high but 
even for me, like, so, like my, my Zwift race, I won this morning. <laughs> like I was buzzing so much. I, I, I was the proudest man. I got back in the changing rooms and I'm a mess. I'm pale. I feel sick. Um, the lads are looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, lads, I just held 277 average watts for an hour and I won my Zwift race. Like buzz. I'm like so proud of myself. Like, um, and it's the same sort of feeling though. It is like, yeah. Um, there's times where I, I'll, I'll go out on a ride and if I know we're out for three, four, five hours, I'll be almost nervous. Do you know what I mean? I have this yeah. kind of butterfly feeling like, oh, this is going to be a big day. Like, oh, I can't wait for it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like, yeah, for back to what you're saying though. Yeah. Cycling is completely different. It is brutal. It's very, um, I just, I just think you need to take you, it's a, you need to be your own business basically as a cyclist you are your own business so your yes. your your business will only do as well as you do you know what I mean it, it, if you're going to really invest in your business then you'll you'll probably do okay but if you're not willing to put in the the hard yards and dig deep and properly go deep because i from what, what i do is nowhere near what proper cyclists do like digging deep is a different world compared to what they do um yeah, it's a, it's a it's a different world, mate. It is. It's complete, and I I'm so in awe of it as well because it's oh, it's amazing. Like for for people to be able to sort of do what they do is oh, I'm so yeah, they're absolute brilliant. I love it. it. It is amazing when you look at um other other athletes and other people in sport who who love cycling so much, and I think, I think there's more and more people riding bikes than ever now, which is which is wonderful, isn't it? You know, it's good for the industry. It's good for the health of the flipping nation and the globe. But when you, um, and another uh, guy that I know reasonably well is a guy called Cal, you know, Cal Crotchlow, the um, MotoGP rider, mm. and and he he kind of looks at things in a quite a similar way to you. He sees himself as a cyclist and then a part-time MotoGP rider on top of that. And I look at that and I'm thinking, what? And then when I saw you say that on a video a couple of weeks back, it's like, really? You know, you're one of the best flipping goalkeepers in the, in the country, you know, yet you see yourself more as a cyclist than a, than a, than a footballer. And I think that's amazing and strange, but also really cool. It's, it's, I just love... Like the, the, I love the whole sort of community of cycling. I love. Um, I think. I think we're kind of. I, I'd say most cyclists are fairly like-minded. Would that make sense? I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah, you you're all you all seem to be on a very similar sort of wavelength. Not to. I'm not sort of bad mouthing footballers here because you know you you probably read a lot about footballers and a lot of it is untrue and a lot of what good good stuff footballers do never ever gets any sort of column inches because yeah. obviously you know good news travels a lot slower than bad news so they they want the bad news kind of thing but don't be wrong footballers they they do an awful lot of good stuff but they are a completely different character to a cyclist yeah like completely different um like footballers they 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 basically spend their lives being this sort of alpha male if that makes sense you know i mean so a a pro footballer would have been the best player in his in his school he'd have been the best player in his youth team best best player in his reserve team and now he's a premier league footballer so he's used to having people pat him on the back and telling him he's the man and telling him he's brilliant and well done this oh you're amazing whereas cyclists i i don't think they'll uh, if even if you produce your best numbers of the year it will be a pat on the back and well done but you know we've got to keep improving yeah and it's that that's that's the difference there's a different mindset completely and i love that mindset i love the fact that you can literally do 
whatever you set your mind to. If you want something bad enough, I say it to my kids all the time. If you want something bad enough, you'll find a way to get it. It's as simple as that. There's no, there's no yeah. point in moaning or crying about it. But if you seriously want it, find a way to get it. Simple as that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, li- I like your analogy of like investing in your business. I've never heard anybody put it quite like that before. That's really quite an interesting way of looking at it because, yeah, it's what what you put in is is what you'll get out. And I think cycling, as we as we all know, you know, when, when you look at it and you step away and look at you know, football as a sport and then cycling as a sport, like cycling, the vast majority of the time, you just you lose. <laughs> You, know, you, yeah. you don't win, and it's a, it's basically <laughs> and yeah, and 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 for many many professional cyclists, you'll go through your whole career, and you might just win a handful of races or or even none, you know. Um, yeah. But then football is a little bit different. There's there's the joy of scoring a goal, obviously different in your case, mate. But then you know you, you win, draw, or lose, and and there's a high frequency of all of them depending on your team, isn't yeah, there? Sure. It's it's very very different kind of psychologically. I mean. What do you reckon has helped your your goalkeeping game, then, if anything, um, that you've managed to bring across some cycling in, into into football? If anything, mate, I mean, it doesn't have to be. But what, what do you what do you reckon? No, for for me, cycling is a massive way to sort of clear your head and just sort of um, just keep like keep pushing myself. I, I love I love pushing myself. Do you know what I mean? It sounds a bit sort of um, sick in a way that you just want to push yourself to make you almost feel sick. I guarantee you'd have done it yourself so many times when you've been like a young cyclist and you push yourself so much. And if you actually feel sick, you're kind of buzzing a little bit. Do you know what I mean? It's it's so weird. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, I just love that. Um, sorry, quickly, just going back to what you said about the cycling, the selflessness of it as well. Oh my God. I love that so much. I love the selflessness of, you, you could be a team rider, you'll never win, you're never ever going to get the plaudits, but you're still part of a winning team. You could be part of a winning team and they'll sacrifice everything. Um, yeah. Like, you know, Ineos, Rowan Dennis, what he did the other week for, for Teo, like oh, the selflessness it? of it. Oh, yeah. it was, oh, it was incredible. Oh, let me tell you a quick story about Teo as well. So I, me and Teo, I know Teo quite a bit from, we're like internet friends basically. So um, Teo's a big football cool. fan. Um, loves Arsenal, so yep. obviously he's a, go- I, he's know, a gooner. In shirt. Yeah, he's a big gooner. He loves it, um, but he's he, you can tell. Like I've, like I say, I've, I've never spoke to him, but we're with text and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But you can just tell he's a nice yeah. bloke. You know, he's a normal bloke kind of thing. Um, so anyway, he we I was texting him over the Giro saying, "Mate, well done, you're smashing it, all that kind of stuff." And he was always replying, "Brilliant, thanks, mate," or "I love it." And then um, I, I think it was like three or four nights before the end of the Giro. Um, he won that stage. Um, I think it was about the fourth night from the end. He, he won. He won one of the stages. I was like, mate, I am buzzing for you so much. Like, you may as well go on and win it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then uh, thankfully he did whatever. But he's, he's, he sent one back saying, mate, I've just. It was your YouTube channel. I watched one of your videos last night. <laughs> he said I was lying in bed and I was watching the cycling jig, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. I, I need to get this out there to let people. That's the most proudest moment of my YouTube career so far. I'm so happy, honestly. <laughs> That is that's that's bloody cool. No, he is a lovely lad. I mean, I, I couldn't lovely have been, bloke, mate. Lovely such an unexpected win. But but I think that selflessness, as you said, you know, as well as the overall victory. But when you when you look back and, and look at how his teammates rode, and in particular Rowan Dennis, a chap who we've had on this yeah. on, had on this podcast, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, yeah, but that that sort of selfless riding is actually quite it for me. When I see it, 
I, I get and I, when I was commentating at the Giro on on site, and I, I actually got um, quite quite emotional when I see at, yeah for sure yeah I actually get quite emotional and I, and I, it's difficult to hide sometimes um, because I know how much pain that they're going through and, and how much yeah. sacrifice there is, and also it's not just the pain that you're doing on, on on the road; it's the lead up to that and how much brutal training you've had to do to get to the level that you can ride like that and put yourself in that headspace. And to me, yeah. Because I know that the level of sacrifice, it actually, I can feel it in my heart, and and it it's exceptionally powerful, mate. And and it's lovely that you get and understand that, but you wouldn't really understand it unless you've ridden a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. Because bike riding hurts, and I think you know once you've made those once you've sacrificed so much, and you get a, a, just a little bit of success, it's exceptionally sweet, isn't it? Well, like I say, he, 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 I sent him a shirt during lockdown. It was. Um, it was one of the Black Lives Matters ones from when we first got back after the original lockdown. Um, and that was probably five, six months ago. And he right. only just picked the shirt up from his home um, when he got back after the Giro. So he hadn't been home for nine months. He hadn't seen his family. Um, okay. He hadn't seen girlfriend. He hadn't seen all his mates. None of that kind of stuff. He had just been with the team solid. So like I said, the, like you say there, the, the sacrifice. And I completely understand the sort of emotion that you'd feel for it because for him, that is going into the Giro. That would have been the wildest dream for him. Um, oh God! But yeah. he made yeah, it yeah. happen, and to have his teammates round him, doing it for him, and proper sacrificing and digging deep and just laying it all out there is that's the beauty of cycling for me. I absolutely, I think, I think it's so so good, and there's such a good life lesson in it as well, isn't there? Oh no, definitely, mate. I think uh, like working for a team, finding out about yourself, and uh, I think you, um, I think growing up and, and riding and learning the skills from different people um and and getting to travel it, it, it is a wonderful it's a liberating sport really mate um, mm. and um yeah, it's good it's, it's bloody good to have you on board mate and uh, with a different kind of perspective on things as well and and it's always lovely as i said before to see to see something give somebody so much bloody joy it's just great uh now i'm going to I'm going to, we're half an hour in already and we've waffled on at 100 mile an hour. And it's waffled. been absolutely fantastic. I told you we'd waffle, mate. I told and you, I, I don't like the planning. I don't like planning stuff. Let's just waffle and wing it. It's, it's, it's the best way. It is. It's nice. It just unfurls really kind of naturally, doesn't it? I mean, the yeah. next bit has been planned because I've got four bags of snacks in front of you, mate. Um, <laughs> and I'm, what, what we're going to do um, is basically tell you the snacks I've got. And then okay. one by one, I'm going to eat, eat them and you just guess by the crunch what oh. snacks they are okay so really okay. need you to focus here ben and maybe use okay. that, that that kind of that psychological kind of training you've got from cycling combined it with footballing um and apply it to snacks right now okay and i believe that niall is going to play the theme tune as sung by cecil utrop ludwig guess that snack guess that snack oh yeah guess that snack tell you what mate the production values on this show are incredible aren't they uh that you deserves don't a about, mate. You we don't, don't we don't about. we don't mess about mate i tell you right four snacks here we go i'm gonna list them for you ben um first up mate we've got the old classic doritos okay so we've got doritos and and just your information they're cool original flavor all right next up we've got jacob's mini cheddars in the little mini pack bag. You know the little ones I mean? Yeah. About the size of a 10 pence piece, roughly. Yeah. Then we've that. got then we've got some sweet and salty popcorn. Okay. Okay. 
and then I've just got a packet of uh, packet of plain crisps. Um, they are like, Lay's. What, what, what brand? Well, they're Lay's. That I believe okay. it's the American version. Pain, did you? <laughs> no, it's the, they're they're the American version of Walkers. I believe Walkers. I thought but, they were the Spanish version, though. No? I don't know. You get them in America, though. Lay's. Okay. They could be, but these. I'm, I'm, I don't want to confuse you even more, but these are actually Dutch because <laughs> my wife gets those <laughs> snack boxes. She gets bored very easily and orders snack boxes off the internet. We've got a Dutch box. So they are American <laughs> Dutch crisps, but that's complicated them. They're basically crisp, all right? <laughs> so here we so, go. So you're right. going to crunch for them and I have to so guess the crunch and match it to a, a snack, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, simple as that, mate. So I've... I'm not going to tell you the one I'm going to start with, but you just get, guess it, and then we'll see how we go, mate. Um, okay. So I've got the first one out of the bag. I'm going to come nice and close to the microphone, um, and I'm happy. <laughs> I just came close to my cl- microphone. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go, mate. Here we go. It's, it's going in. Here we go. That was a good crunch. <laughs> that was a heavy crisp. That's that's got to yeah. be Lay's or Dorito. Um, do you want me to do another one for you? Go on. I'll just do one more out of the same bag, obviously. Yeah. Um, but um, your initial two choices, you, you you're warm, mate. You're warm. So I'll give you one more crunch. See if you can really get it. Have a, here we go. Can you um, can you rustle the bag for me again? Whoa! Nobody's ever asked me to do this, mate. You, 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 nobody's ever used tactics. Here's a, here's the bag rustling. Okay, I'm going for it's Lay's. I'm going for Lay's oh. just because. Let me let me explain quickly. Just because I think Doritos bigger bag. They're really thick foil bagged as well, aren't they? Um, yeah. And I think you'd have, you'd have heard the weight in the bag as well. Oh, mate. Do you know what? You're incorrect, but your science is, mm. yeah, I'm really, really sorry, mate, because the bag was three quarters eaten, uh, and that's why it didn't, <laughs> feel, it didn't feel as heavy. I'm really, really sorry, Ben. Oh, no, I feel awful now. But, but I tell you what, we're going we're gonna to give you a bonus point for tactical use of bag weight. Um, I'll take it. I'll so take there we it. go. I'll take it. Bonus point. <laughs> Right, next up. <laughs> Do you see where I'm okay. coming from, though? I, I think there's a science in it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, no, there is a science in it, and um, and it's lovely to see uh, you describe it in such, such beautiful detail, Ben. Um, <laughs> next up is this. It's going in. That's a mini cheddar. Spot on. It's got to be a mini cheddar. No, They're a little no, bit softer. Yeah, yeah, a little bit softer than the Doritos and, and Lay's. Um, and a bit quiet. You can hear that it's a smaller snack, so the quietness of it yeah, is hallmark, hallmark mini cheddar. Have you ever thought about working in the food industry post-goalkeeping, mate? <laughs> astonishing knowledge. Absolutely astonishing. So here we go. Ne- next one. It's going in. Do it again, do it again. Right. It's got to be Lay's. It can't be. Oh, I don't know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll do one more. I've got a mouthful now, but, you, mate, you're, you're in the right direction without giving too much away. <laughs> I'll go Lay's then. I'll yeah, go Lay's. Lay's, correct, mate. 
It's got to be Lee's. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> so really, the final one it goes without saying, really, doesn't it? I'm just going to pop it in. I'm still interested to hear the little soft crunch on it, though. Yeah, here we go. I mean, um, I'll try and get a really good one. Here we go. Just popping it in now. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Mm. It's um, almost like eating polystyrene, mate. But that, uh, you actually got, with the bonus point, four out of four. So well done. I'm taking that. I'm over Take the that. Thank you. Get around the course. That was <laughs> Guess That Snack. So I just moved my bags over to one side. Right, uh, well done, mate. That was a lot of detail, and that round went on for a lot longer than normal because just because the level of kind of knowledge that you um, that you kind of yeah, that was that was impressive. Did I hear you earlier on open up something? Because I remember you messaged me like yesterday or the day before and said you're going to have a bottle of wine. Are you having that now? I've got um, I've got two cans of pale ale, and I've okay. got a um, nearly drunk um, double disarona. Flip seriously, good lad. Do you know what? Do you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> you took a breath and like, I did. are you an alcoholic or something? <laughs> no, mate. No, I just thought I, I've got a ba- I've got a salted caramel Bailey's on the go, mate. Oh, sounds nice. That that's a Christmas drink. That it is a Christmas drink. No, um, I feel a bit awful actually. I did I did tweet about it the other day. Got back and um, um, and I, I was watching some telly. And um, my wife said to me, you're right. And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And she said, you want some Baileys, don't you? And she Uber eats me a bottle of Baileys. Oh, that is, what a wonderful woman. I know. Yeah. I, I, I was welling up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but so there you go. That's kind of like, yeah, relationship goals right there, mate. Yeah, very, <laughs> I'm impressed. I think my, my wife needs to step her game up a little bit, to be fair. She's normally pretty good, to be fair. But yeah. um, I, I came well stocked tonight, though, so I don't need anything from, from her tonight. Good stuff, good stuff, mate. Well, I tell you, let's let's sort of go back in time a little bit. Um, we've already talked about how, how you kind of got into cycling and how you and how you you got into doing what you're doing for a living. But um, who who did you kind of look up to as a kid? You know, like, talking about when I supported Liverpool and stuff back in the day, I used to cut out the individual players from Shoot Magazine and blue tack them to yeah. my wall in the in the early eighties, late seventies. I mean. And Kenny Dalglish was my favourite favourite player back in those days, and Alan Hansen and stuff like that. But did you have anybody or, or any athletes or anybody that you looked to as a kid, or didn't that really happen for you? Um, yeah, I suppose without that, I was a I was a Tottenham fan as a kid. So um, even though I lived in the Midlands, right. my my older brother was a, a Tottenham fan, and he kind of just made me be a Tottenham fan. In in all honesty, um, right. So it was always kind of back in the in the Tottenham days. Obviously, Gary Lineker, Paul Gaskell, and them kind of guys. Um, yeah. But sort of as a goalkeeper, it was always. It, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it was just Peter Schmeichel. He was just of course, he was yeah. the sort of. Um, he was. It's like he sort of reinvented how to be a goalkeeper do you know what I mean he was he was the best biggest monster ever he just seemed to be unbeatable at times and um I just loved the way that he was so big and brave and like bold and um the way he would marshal his defenders around all that kind of stuff he was in full control all the time and I I used to watch him and think wow that is that's like next level proper proper goalkeeper and I remember watching like Match of the Day and I always used to love his interviews because he had one of the most, and still to this day, I mean, bearing in mind, I'd spend a lot of time around 
cyclists who don't you know speak english but not it's not their native tongues so we get some remarkably beautiful accents but his accent was one of the all-time great sporting accents um that amalgamation of kind of like danish and and mank it's, it's just beautiful <laughs> wouldn't it it's absolutely <laughs> astonishing <laughs> You get so honestly, you get so many of them in football now. Where, um, we like there's, there's there was an older player, Ida Good Johnson. Do you remember him? He used to play for Chelsea. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you ever get to, if you ever see him doing a commentary game or something like that, he's like he's a Londoner. He's from Iceland, obviously, but um, his London accent is is bob on. Honestly, it's like he's a Londoner. You couldn't really tell, um, but you do get a load of them. You get loads of even we've got like Brazilian players, Spanish players, and they take on sort of a, a twang of wherever they are. So obviously down in London, they'll, they'll but they learn all the lingo, they learn all the slang words and definitely all the swear words as well. They love all the swear words. So especially the young kids, they absolutely buzz off the swear words. Yeah. Bloody hell. So did you did did you have any posters up on your walls back in the day when you were a kid growing up as or was it pop was it pop music or was it or did you have any like stars that you kind of looked to and thought, I want to be like that person one day? Not really, no. I, I no. remember um I always had a Jennifer Aniston poster because I okay. love of friends. Friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good one, mate. Brilliant stuff. Um, I had a Jennifer Aniston poster, and then uh, that's all I can remember as a kid is really having sort of Tottenham, <laughs> like like you say, Match and Shoot magazine. And then yeah. when I was old enough to sort of go into town, they had this this shop where they sold proper massive posters. Yeah. Um, like a metre high poster. <laughs> and I just remember getting this Jennifer Aniston posters. It was a time when I was about 13, 14 as well. So <laughs> it was, yeah, she's lovely back in the day, weren't she? She's still that lovely now. brilliant, mate. <laughs> she's, she's, very, she's very lovely. And it, and, and what, a, what a wonderful show that was. But yeah, um, I wonder where that poster is now. Blimey. It will still be go. in my mum and dad's attic, days, guaranteed, because my dad sort of converted the attic, definitely illegally. Um, he just sort of put a bed in there and put a few skylights and stuff. Um, so it's, it's in there somewhere because we've got everything. We've got all the old stuff, all the old like school stuff is in there still, all the old. Do you remember Pogs? you remember that sort of school game? Yes, yeah, yeah. Pogs, yeah, Slammer, and all, all of them are still in there. Um, my mum and dad keep all of my trophies, all of my oh, old brilliant. shirts, all that kind of stuff um it's like a it's like a hoarder's dream in that house honestly i love stuff like that i wish i mean um as i say i was a liverpool supporter after again i lived i lived in watford but supported liverpool when they won the european cup in 77 and um my mum and dad bought me a liverpool kit for christmas back then and it was before sponsors came on the jerseys before like candy in the early 80s and stuff yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah, playing. Yeah. So it was just plain uh, but, but with the, with the gold and it was a V-neck, it was like red with a V-neck. And, um, and I, then I got the, a kit just after that and I, Watford played Liverpool and my dad said, do you want to go and watch? And I was like, I was a bit torn because obviously sported Liverpool, but Watford was my local team. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, yeah, okay. But I, I then thought to myself, again, this is how small my little mind was, Ben. It's quite, you know, not embarrassing, but just gives an insight into me as a child, really. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to wear my football my, my football top to the match to show my allegiance to the team. And I thought nobody else would do that. And I went and everybody was there. And I was like, oh, shit. I thought I was going to be like, I thought I'd invented something really, really important. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, so, mate. Crushed you. Absolutely. No, I know. I, I was like really, really disappointed, mate. I mean, what was the first football kit you, you had then? Because we talk about, I always ask people uh, what the first cycling kit was. So, what was your first footy kit? 
Yeah, it was a it was a Tottenham kit. I remember obviously when you're younger, you when you were young enough, you would definitely get the full kit. Do you know what I mean? You'd get the shirt, you'd get yeah. the shorts, the yeah. socks, everything. And then when then when it was Saturday afternoon and you could go out and wear it and play football with your mates, just putting your boots on, you felt a million, didn't you? You know what I mean? And my cool, like my my son does it now still. He's eleven. Um, and he's still the same sort of thing. If it's a Saturday afternoon or Sunday, even if we're going out in the back garden to kick a ball about and stuff, he'll put a full kit on, he gets his yeah. boots on, and he, I know for a fact he's feeling the same sort of feelings. It's class. It's so good to watch, honestly. Um, I've, we're, we're, I'm quite lucky as well because, back, like, obviously, I've played um, the majority of my career in the Premier League. I've, I've always been good at getting shirts, especially since the kids have been born. I've been very good at sort of going and getting match-worn shirts from players. So, so when we play games... Um, that's interesting. I'll ask you about the cycling version if they do that in cycling. But in football, obviously, because I, I want to get some nice souvenirs for the kids and whatever. If we're playing, I don't know, a Liverpool, Man U, yeah. whoever it is, I'd go up to one of the good players or somebody that Louis might like or Olivia, my daughter, might like, and I'll get the shirt from them. I'll bring it home, wash it, and then I'll give it to the kids and they'll you know, wear it to bed or wear it around the house or whatever kind of thing. So we've got a massive box, and I mean it's a massive box. We've probably got a 100-odd shirts in there of some proper, proper wicked players and stuff, um, which is pretty cool, to be fair, because, like I said, I've never been a sort of sentimental guy for like trophies and all that kind of stuff, but looking back on it, I'm like, Oh, it's pretty sweet shirts, to be fair. Um, yeah, so that's what I was going to say about the. Do they do? Is that a, is that a thing in cycling? Would you swap jerseys with another team or a mate or something like that? I mean, um, not that I'm aware of. I mean, uh, what I have done myself um, a few. The only time I've ever swapped jerseys was at the Commonwealth Games, and I swapped a couple of England jerseys. Um, this is '98 Kuala Lumpur Commonwealth Games. I had a couple of because you get obviously a full set of kit, and I swapped. I cut an England jersey for a New Zealanders and an and an Aussie jersey, but nice. No, I don't know. That doesn't really happen after matches. I mean, but um, but I know that there's, you know, most people will that there's a big trade in kind of buying buying signed cycling jerseys and you frame them up on the wall, whether it's a yellow jersey or a you know a red jersey or a, or a Malia Rosa or whatever. That's big, and I've oh, got yeah, a few course, jerseys yeah. up uh, downstairs. So. There's a, there's a similarity, but the tradition of swapping jerseys at the end of a match doesn't really happen in cycling because there's like there's so many different teams. Um, but I'd imagine some individuals do swap, but it's not quite the same. In football, it properly was like back watching my first footy matches as a kid. At the end of the game, they'd just strip off, wouldn't they, and swap jerseys, especially after a European game and stuff, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, but uh, doesn't really happen like that in cycling. It's a bit more behind the scenes that you might get jerseys being swapped around, I think. Uh, you know, you know when like the big boys play, when it's like Messi or Ronaldo and stuff like that. There's been those kind of end of the games where they're playing some sort of European game in I don't know Bulgaria or something like that, and somebody's already got the shirt off Messi, and then there's another guy going, "Can I have your shorts?" <laughs> and he's literally going, "Can we go in and I'll give you inside?" But can I give you inside? And they're going, "All right, can I have your socks then?" And then like he's literally has to give everything away because they just want some and I've kind of rightly so as well because it may be their like only ever chance that they're going to get to get uh, yeah. like a Lionel Messi or Ronaldo shirt or something like that. So um, now fair play though they always everybody always seems to be like cool with it. Do you know what I mean? They're always yeah. like yeah no problem not worry or whatever like that. So that that is nice at least. I've never come across anybody that's sort of been a, a bit of a dickhead with it and gone no chance because that'll do for me. If it, oh if they did that that would there'd be a a smudge in my black book against their name forever for that. No, definitely, mate. I mean, looking at, again, just looking back some of some of your videos, I really, seriously, mate, I really enjoyed them and uh, like reading through the comments and, and uh, I think, and I was chatting to Niall who's recording this about watching some of your vids, mate, and I, the one, without blowing smoke up your ass, 
the one thing I like about them is their honesty. You just yeah. don't, you just, there's no, you're not presenting them, are you? You're just like, well, this is my day. And and then, and the lovely little comment on, on one of the videos, I can't remember which one it was, mate, was, was when you said that, you know, the fans can't go and watch games at the moment. And um, I was yeah. going to ask you about that. And it's like, well, this is a little insight. You know, you don't, I don't, I don't follow a lot of footballers. I mean, I'm sure there are other people doing similar things, but it's the first time I've come across it. And there was a real acknowledgement that the fans are so important. And it was really a really lovely little payoff line, mate, about, you know, hopefully this will be behind us, the COVID thing soon. You can come back to watch matches, but hope you've enjoyed this little insight into my day. And I thought that was really lovely. Yeah, I think... I think we kind of almost took it for granted that we t- we definitely no not almost we definitely did we took the fans for granted and we we kind of just assumed that they would just keep turning up every week and paying their money and they would watch the game and make a noise and they'd always be there do you know what I mean and we never re- there was never even a doubt of thinking well one, what if they couldn't come to a game for some reason whatever and then obviously all the covid yeah. kicks off and it's honestly mate it is the weirdest it's like it's it's almost like playing on not even playing it's like training basically you've got a the first few games when we got back after the first lockdown it was genuinely like if I'm not joking if a goal would have gone in past me it didn't it didn't even like register that it was a bad feeling or anything it was just sort of like oh well never mind like let's crack on it wasn't until later on that day where you'd be driving home or whatever and like the results would come on and be like oh Watford lost or Watford drew or whatever that it kind of fully registered that something big had happened that day. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you don't you don't get to feel the emotion of the, the, the fans because they're, in all honesty, they care more than what you do. They do because that's yeah. their life. Do you know what I mean? They live yeah. for that Saturday afternoon. They, they've grew up with that football team. It's in their yeah. blood. Um, yeah. So it, even though it would disappoint me, for them, that is that that's like the deciding factor on their mood for the weekend. Do you know what I mean? And you can really feel it. You can genuinely feel it. You can see it in their faces. You can see it in their expressions. Um, and it's just it's so it's so poor without them there, mate. Honestly, it's it's so rubbish. I kind of not. I haven't got used to it, but I've I've got better at preparing myself for it. If that makes sense, because you have to you have to find a way of being a little bit more energetic and a little bit more up for the game because normally you just rely on the on the crowd, like getting the adrenaline going and they're not there. So you have to find other ways to do it. Uh, it's really, a really, really interesting point that, isn't it? You know, in a, like I said, I've been to a few games a long, long time ago, but, and I still watch a little bit of football now, but even when you're sat at home, you can feel like the importance of a goal going in, you, you get a sense of it. And then, and having yeah. that when you've got the GoPro in the back of the net there, mate, in an empty stadium, whether it's Vicarage road, where it's the baseball ground or whatever Derby call their ground now. And, um, it's just right empty. Yeah. It's, but you can hear yeah. all of the instructions yeah, from all the players and all the swearing and stuff like that. And it, it reminds me of playing, going and seeing my dad playing for the Met Police back in the 1980s when they're just on this pitch somewhere with no crowd. And it just reminds me of old school football without, in, not in a stadium, but it's, it yeah. is really, really odd, isn't it? I mean, it's, um, it's do you ever talk about that as, as, a, as a group? Do you ever talk like is this as managers spoken to you about that, or is it something that you've all as a collective just had to, without saying anything, just adapt to? No, we when when the first um, lockdown happened, we when we got back and first started training, and then obviously getting back into games, we had we had we had three psychologists come back come into Watford actually, um, sports yeah. psychologists to basically just kind of get into the players just to try and 
preempt the fact that it's going to be different when we get back to playing because there is going to be no crowds and it's going to be a different format and it's going to be this and that and this and that. Um, and they did actually come in and I think it kind of, a few of us found it helpful. I think sports psychology for me is is the biggest thing in, in sport. It's so helpful if you open yourself up to it yeah. though. You need to be open and willing. And I think in football, there's still probably a little bit of a, a taboo about it and a bit too many, too too much ego at times. Um, sure. And I think if people just, just did open themselves up and and really sort of went for it and got involved in it it would help so many more people not just in football either in their lives honestly it's, it's one of the biggest things I've ever for me personally I've ever I've ever opened up to no it's um yeah it's uh, I just yeah it it's it's funny isn't it and like applying your trade and being used to because the crowd are you know and in professional cycling as well although to a lesser degree I mean the crowd's on the on the epic climbs in the in the Tour and the Giro yeah. and on the the, the Quaramont in the Tour of Flanders, you know, having those races without the crowds there is very very strange. Um, but I think the one thing we have got to be thankful for is the fact that the races and the, and, and the matches are being played. But it is a very interesting time, mate, isn't it? Where yeah, for sure. For I sure. think it's, it's it's a bit of a wake up call to show how important any sort of sets of fans are because without them, you know, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have sport because they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, come out and support us. And um, it, it is easy to, to forget them until, and take them for granted, as you said, until they're gone. And, and now they are gone yeah. temporarily, hopefully. I think that that's probably one of the good things that will come from this, that the recognition that they are so important, like ridiculously yeah. important. And I think that's that's such a good thing because we have taken them for granted for so long now. And just because that we, we knew they'd be there, it's as simple as that, they'd be there. But now we're, we're craving for them to come back. And me personally, I, I can't wait as well to that first game where I can put my GoPro in the goal and I've got fans behind the goal and you can hear all the abuse that I get as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be absolutely class. Honestly, because I hear some world-class insults. It is honestly some of them. Some of them are bog standard, and you kind of just go, "Come on!" But some of them are so clever and like really, really good abuse. Do you know what I mean? That I just sometimes I have to turn around and go, "Well done!" Like really, really good, mate. Good job. <laughs> you, can you think of? Uh, I'm putting you on the spot now. Can you think of any a good one that you can remember? Has there been any that stuck in your mind? <laughs> There's, d- d- to be fair, there's there's not any individual ones, but there's a couple of places I go where I know for a fact of, of what I'm going to get. So I, I played for West Brom for sort of seven, eight years, and um, West Brom's biggest rivals are Wolves. So if yeah. ever I play away at Wolverhampton, um, the abuse I get is just honestly, it is. <laughs> it's like nothing you've ever seen in your life. I spent I spent the entire of the second half. Um, at the, at the, when we were playing at the home end kind of thing, um, yeah. they literally spent the whole second half calling me a, begins with the C basically. Um, they spent the whole 45 right, minutes, okay, Foster right, is okay. a, and they just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I remember even, oh, like I'm th- I was 36, Bloody 35 hell. at the time and experienced as you like, able to just deal with what that kind of stuff. But even I was thinking, wow, this is like next level. If you're a younger goalie yeah. here, this is going to seriously intimidate you. Um, and then if we play away at Tottenham, um, back in the day, Paul Robinson used to be the Tottenham goalkeeper, actually scored a goal yeah. past me. For, he was about 80 yards out or whatever it was. But every time we go back to Tottenham, guaranteed, there's like this little group of fans that sit behind the goal and they will always say the same thing and remind me about it. And it's almost like got a bit of a joke <laughs> where I'll go, yeah, nice one. And it's like, it's fine. It's not a problem, but they're, 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 they're good. They never forget football fans. They're a clever bunch, honestly. 
Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, I, well, I never forget either. I, I do a little bit. Um, and we're going to go. We're going to wrap things up. Um, we that that hour just flew by, mate. Absolutely flew yeah. by. But just picking up on your Jennifer Aniston poster, and um, I'm picking up <laughs> off my 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 uh my hairdryer of the Giro d'Italia. Um, would you mind uh popping off and just getting the getting the the, the nearest hairdryer to hand and giving us a quick review, mate? just to wrap okay. the show up why don't we do right i'll go and get it it's upset i know where it is it's fine yeah but i'll tell you what i'll do i'll plug it in and turn yeah. it on and then you need to tell me what hairdryer it is i'll give it a go <laughs> i'll give it a go <laughs> i'll give it a go blimey <laughs> all right one right. sec i'm gonna go get it no again. worries mate we'll just one play some music <laughs> Right, I'm about to plug her in, okay? Okay, okay. Sorry, did you hear my son then? He's buzzing because Leicester are on the telly and Harvey Barnes has just scored and he's got him in his oh, dream right. team, so he's over the moon. Oh, right. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> well, You're literally waiting too- outside the door to tell me. <laughs> oh, great stuff. Well, I won't keep it too much longer, mate, and um, you can go and join the, join the lad watching the match. But, um, right. okay. Important um, business, though. You're ready for this. I've got it plugged in. I'm ready to turn on. You sure you're good to go, Yeah. Yeah, can you how many can you just ask me how how many or tell me how many settings does this one have? Oof. The, I, I, for, for what I can see it's literally an off and on an and off. On. It's a, it's a yeah, we're talking about a relatively about three basic. Other buttons. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's about three right. other buttons but there's an on and an off that's it. There's no like one two or three on it or anything. Ah, right. Okay. And hopefully this one won't catch fire will it like my last one did. Here we go. Oh, bloody hope not. <laughs> right, we ready? Okay. One, two, three, go. Right. Oh, right. It's. Can I have one more burst? Of course. Yep. All right. I'll put. I'll put the front of it to the microphone, then I'll turn it around and put the back of it to the microphone. Ah, yes, right? please. I, I really like to hear what's going on in the vents at the back <laughs> as well, mate. Nice one. <laughs> right. <Okay. one. laughs> right. That right. was the front. This is the yep. back. Uh, okay. Right. I reckon, I think what we're looking at, are we, look, are we looking at a relatively small handheld here? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a massive one. Definitely not. No, it's not big. It's, it sounds like it's got a relatively compact motor. Um, it, it's not a Dyson, is it? It's not a Dyson. That, I, can't, um, I can't give you any clues. No, no, no. It sounds like it might be something like a either a Parlux three two three two hundred or a Remington Prolux. But I'm going to go for a Panasonic. Ooh. Okay, you ready? Yep. It is a Dyson. Oh, I said it wasn't a Dyson. I just thought the the, the engine sounded way too intense. But then when you think about it, it. It does sound like a Hoover, one of the Dyson. Well, you can't have a Dyson Hoover. That's a oxymoron. But you know what I mean. Oh, I can't believe it's like it. A jet engine, almost. I think. Yeah, really like. high powered. I mean, I mean, just to wrap things up, how many how many watts are we talking? It sounds like between like nine hundred and one thousand one hundred. Um, this has got what's two hundred and twenty to two forty volts, fifty hertz, sixteen hundred watts. I think it is. 1600 watts for such a small motor i mean that's why dyson is so successful mate isn't it really uh, incredible <laughs> thanks very much indeed for that um 
Ben. <laughs> anyway, I mean, if anybody hasn't tuned out now, they will have done uh, after that <laughs> strange ending to this podcast, mate. But Ben, in, in all honesty, mate, it's been you've been an absolute diamond. It's a pleasure to talk to you and um, your enthusiasm, mate. Um, whether it's football. Or, or cycling, you know, you're just a wonderful example to, to make people feel happy, mate, in these very difficult times we're going through. So keep up the good work, both on and off the field. And um, hopefully one day we can go out for a bike ride, mate, when all this is behind us. Promise me. You promise me that. You've said it now, so you've got to do have, it, okay? We'll definitely go out for a bike ride, as long as you don't half wheel me. No, I won't. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> definitely sat behind you most of the way. But uh, no, honestly, mate, thanks for having me. Like this is, this is all my pleasure. Seriously, I've fully enjoyed it. I was proper looking forward to it. Um, wicked, mate. Keep doing it. You're, you're just as like honestly, you're wicked as well, mate. Keep going. Really need this kind of positivity, especially uh, after Thursday's news kind of thing as well. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, you take, take care, Ben, and uh, catch up with you very, very soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. All the best, boys. Bye, bye. What a restart of the podcast series, guys. I had an absolute blast with Ben, and I generally cannot wait to go for a ride with him once circumstances allow. Thanks again to Perry App Gwyneth for the musical jingles on the podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod, and why not recommend it to your cycling buddies, or even your Uber Eats delivery person, if you happen to order a bottle of babies too. And finally, huge thanks to Ben Foster for sharing his passion with us so enthusiastically. Cheers, and hear you next time. Oh, actually, I won't hear you. <laughs> yeah, I should put that in. <laughs>